The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Twisted Blue presents Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of crime. My name is Scott Alexander, and right across from me is Tammy Underwood. And today we're going to be looking at... Linda Laura Burfield Hazard. That's a lot of damn names. A.K.A. Starvation Doctor. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about her. Yeah. That's still a lot of names, man. Yeah. And I was going to put Linda Linda on there because she shows up as two different spellings. She shows up as L-I-N-D-A and L-Y-N-D-A. So if you ever want to search her out, try both spellings. Oh. Yeah. Good so, to know. Good to know. Yeah. And, you know, she's a good tagline, and I kind of like paraphrase it a little bit for her, is a quack whose fasting therapy resulted in many deaths. Her story is so absolutely bizarre and unbelievably horrific, you won't believe it actually happened. Well, you got to think about all the fads that are out now. Because she, oh, yeah. she was back in like the 40s or uh, 50s. She was or... in um, 1930, I believe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I couldn't remember the dates that she told me. But think about oh, all... Oh, no, excuse me. Early 1900s, 1908. Oh, oh my God. She wow. died in the 30s. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it seems like every year, every couple of years, there's more fad diets there's like hey take this pill and you're gonna lose 100 pounds or totally you know or do this cleanse diet or do that or and really there's very few that actually work right there is actually a very um good if it's followed correctly fasting diet out there i have a lot of friends who have done it and basically what they do is they fast all morning all night and all morning and then have a meal like early evening and then, you know, they continue to fast, you know, so they're eating one substantial meal. However, she took it to a whole new level. See, I like food way too much to ever, to ever do anything like that. And the, the, the key thing to remember is uh, you need to eat. You do. You do. You need to eat to survive. You need to eat. Do you need fat? Because it burns fat. Right. And it sounds bizarre as shit. But. It's, it's right. the fucking fact. But and the fasting diet today that I was telling you about, it's not like ongoing. It's like two or three times a week or once a week or whatever, just to kind of clear out your system and reset it. Oh. You know, it's not like they fast for weeks on end. Not like what Linda Hazard was uh, doing. Yeah. Yeah, but don't she eat did nothing. a lot of other multiple things, and it was just bizarre. Right. So let's jump into her. Let's uh, tell me what you got. Okay. Well, I have an opening quote for her because it fit perfectly. I got to scroll back up and it says, few things are so deadly as a misguided sense of compassion said by Charles Colson. And that is very fitting. It is fitting for Linda. When you and I were talking about it, that is fitting. Yeah. Because like I said, I think in the beginning, her intentions were kind of pure. But then it's like she got full of herself. You know, like those preachers and everything, they get so megalomaniac that they get so full of themselves that it's almost a cult, like right. Jimmy Jones and shit like that. Right, and that, that actually happens more often than not. Oh, not, yeah. Not just in, in dieting, but 
in well, like like you said, preachers or you know even people who uh, start up a business that yes. first they're you know, uh, and I'm not saying all the time, but you know, no. at first their intentions might be pure, like hey. I'm going to build a business and and right. help people out, like Sam Walton who did Walmart. Right, and mm-hmm. but it can quickly turn to, hey, I've got this excess cash and maybe I can skim a little off the top. Yeah, you know, or avoid taxes. So I think by and large, she she fits into the category of, of what most people do, which is that at first the intentions are good, they're pure. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I can help people out because I think that this works, right. and I'm going to try to help people. Right. Well, in I I was reading descriptions of to you not too long when we were setting up our web page, and you know for medical or you know yeah the medical profession uh, serial killers because there's quite a few out there you'd be shocked. Oh yeah. Um, their reasoning and motivation behind the killings usually is because they feel either a that it's a sense of compassion that they're helping these people because they're suffering or B they do it because they want to be the ones to either diagnose or save the patient. Right. By and large, that's true. Which is basically uh, Munchausen's by proxy. You right. know? Right. Right. Yeah. But this lady was one of the rare ones who did it for financial gain. And you'll find that out too. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like one of the very rare cases of a medical professional murdering for profession for monetary gain. That's true. Come to think about it, because when we were talking about, uh, you know, the the ones that we're researching for uh, what we call our medical Mondays, our angels. Of yeah, death, this is what she is. Yeah. Yeah. Which she fits yeah. in perfectly, perfectly to that category. But with all of the ones that we're grouping in for this day, you're you're right on because, you know, mm-hmm. the ones like that I'm researching is uh it, it it's never about the money. It's not. You know, at the one far extreme, you have complete malice. Correct. You know, the ones like I just want to know what it's like to kill somebody. And we'll oh yeah, because there that. are a few of those. Right, and specifically one that we're going to be bringing right. on a thrill couple's killing Tuesday. is what they call it. Right, that the, are the one that we're going to bring oh, up on yeah. Tuesday because they fit into three categories. They do, and they are fantastic. Stay tuned for that one, by the way. Yes. You guys are going to love that one. Stay tuned. But um, you know, and then some are like, you know, I I need this attention. Exactly. And that's what it is. Yeah. Is they want that, you know, because we've talked about that lady in Texas that will probably feature too, that gave her these patients a certain, you know, it was like yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And she gave it to them because it would induce a seizure and she would be right there to save them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. So, but we'll we'll get dig further into her because she's a whole different podcast. She is a whole different podcast because even though in her time and era she was kind of like they she was in the headlines a lot, she hasn't been. They've only featured her on like smaller documentary series as opposed to large documentaries that like Ted Bundy's and sh- stuff. Cool, cool. So, All right, so let's yeah. talk about Linda. Okay, well, Linda was actually born in. Carver, Minnesota, on December 18th, 1867. Um, Her father was Montgomery Burfield, and her mother was Susanna Eel Wakefield, which is E-I-L. It made no sense to me. I think it's the family name or something. Could it be Isle? It could be. It doesn't say where they're from. They didn't spell it phonetically for us or anything, Yeah, I don't know. Not at all. Which, you know, do... Throw a girl a bone. <laughs> so I know how That's to That's a different podcast, it. too. 
that, you know, so I know how to pronounce these things. But anyway, she is one of eight children and I could find no information on other siblings or where she fell in the birth order. No you know, kidding? Be, yeah. Usually that's pretty common when we're doing our research to find it out at least where is. they fell in. Well, you know, but remember we did that one for our Thursday, you know, we researched that one that we're going to feature on this coming Thursday, that, that male. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. um, didn't, had to only felt, fell into the thought provoking Thursday podcast because it's like, there was no fetish involved. There was no, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Okay, cool. So yeah. So with him, I had a hard time finding anything on his siblings as well. And it just happened to mention cause his um, his manifesto said he was the oldest. Oh, so you know it's kind of hard to so especially back then. Well, yeah, it's true. Not, not a whole lot of records going on. Well, right, and I didn't dig into like um, census reports out of Minnesota at that time. So, um, but anyways, she actually received a minimal amount of formal training as an osteopathic nurse. So she wasn't even a real doctor. She no. was just a nurse who right. thought she was a doctor. Exactly. But she never graduated this program, and she never received a degree. Jesus Christ. However, this is what the kicker is. And the reason why I found out about her is because my son and I went to Seattle, and we took that ghost tour around Pike's Market. Oh, yeah. And they mentioned her because um, <laughs> she is was- the state of Washington's first female serial killer ever. Right, and the great part is she's from my state, where I'm living currently exactly. living, I live exactly. here in Washington. That's kind of why I wanted to feature her first, you know, because it's like, it's this area, and that's what fascinates me a lot about the local ones. It's like, dude, seriously? <laughs> you know? But um, in Washington, she was licensed as a doctor. How do you get licensed as a doctor? Now, this is where I'm legit confused because this, right. is, this is why I'm glad that you and I don't research together. Exactly. Exactly. Because we'd overlap and. Right. Because yeah. then I, have, you know, I would have no commentary. I'm a little confused because as far as I know from just history, to become a doctor. Oh, yeah. Ever since like even the six or 1700s, 1800s. Oh, yeah. You had to go to a medical school mm-hmm. or, you know, get some formal training. Uh-huh. And then somebody says, hey, congratulations. Your name is, you know, Dr. Yeah. Smith or whatever. Yeah, go through internships and residencies and, you know, that kind of crap. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyways, this is how it happened. Because remember, this is at a time, you got to think about it, where snake oil salesmen and everything, those people who have like, you know, those, this contraption will do this. Remember how you see like in old time TV shows right. from that era where right, they right. had this machine that like does like UV lights and it's supposed to cure everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she was basically a, what they considered natural medicine or alternative medicine. But it's essentially a snake oil salesman. Pretty much. And so she fell under the loophole in Washington law at that licensing law at that time. So she was grand and it grandfathered certain practitioners of alternative medicine who didn't have a medical license. So essentially this loophole gave her a license to practice medicine legally. Good job, Washington. Good yeah. job. Good job, Washington. We knew you were good for something. Chimney <laughs> Christmas. So and this is the thing is, at the time of her trial, she is quoted as saying, because they kept saying, Mrs. Hazard, Mrs. Hazard, right? She goes, I have told you, t-, and I'm going to like do it like, because I'm sure she was gritting her teeth when she said it. I have told you time and time again, it is Dr. Hazard. Mrs. Hazard is my mother-in-law. 
Jamie Christmas. She was really, you know, she was full of herself. Yeah, oh, totally, man. Like I'm a doctor. I mean, I've had no formal training, but I'm a doctor. And the messed up thing is, you got to think about back in that time frame. People yeah. really were a lot more gullible than they are today. Oh yeah, you'll find out how gullible some of these. I, I touched on a lot of because uh, she's only convicted of one murder, but she's implicated or. You know, a suspect, and I think it was 19, including her own. Right, right. And that's not saying that there's not people who are gullible to medical people today. No, um, but back then. Let me bring up the uh, guy who did Four Loco and did uh, Botox injections into people's faces. In yeah, that's, our, uh, that's the other podcast that Twisted Blue does, and it's called The Scotty and Squat Show, and you should listen to that one. <laughs> that I mean, for those who haven't door. listened to it already, you should tune into that one because... It's more comical based and everything. It's not as serious. Um, but yeah, you know, so people are still gullible to this day. They but are. They are. Then everybody was still kind of on the, I want quick answers thing. Exactly. And they still are. They are. But That's why, you know, we have these super bugs out there like COVID because people are like, oh, I have a fever. Give me an antibiotic. Yeah. You know, and it's not an antibiotic. It's not a bacterial infection. Uh, so no, true, true. So tell me know, more about Linda. Anyways, that way they don't run out of too I know. much time. So she um, even wrote, and you can still find them to this day, because I'm actually ordering a couple from Amazon, medical, quote unquote, medical publications. Get the hell out. Now, for real? For reals. This, she's bringing she this on like me. She has like seven or eight of them on there, it, you know, that have been published and everything. But yeah, I'm going to actually order a couple because I want to read what she said. We're going to have to do a second podcast. We're on going her. to, and just like excerpts from her um, right. books. Totally. So but yeah. Let's talk more about good old Linda. Yeah. So her practice was to cure disease by fasting. And she began this in Minnesota. <laughs> and basically, what, she, what fasting does is it allows the digestive system to rest. And be cleansed, thus removing impurities from the pa- the patient's body. Now, is that an actual fact, or is that, that is just an actual fact? What Linda had said. No, that is an actual fact. It's like definition okay. why we should fast at least, you know, it, occasionally. Well, it actually because makes we get sense. backed up. Well, it kind of makes sense on the thinking about like when I've been sick in the past, and your body naturally tells you, dude, you don't want to eat anything. Like, you don't want soup. You don't want nothing. Nothing. Because mm, we're not there right, right now. Yeah, exactly. That's why you should always keep liquids in your body. But she claimed it would cure anything, and I quote anything, from toothache to tuberculosis. Jiminy Christmas. Those days spinning. Those are very extreme opposites. Are they not? Yeah, they're not even, like, remotely close. Yeah, it's like... Very, like, left and right pH balance spectrum here. Right, because let's say you're going through therapy, um, which I've done, like, uh, for, for my leg, you know, uh, or better guess, even my back. Exactly. And so they're focusing on things to strengthen your back. Yes. Okay. That would be different exercises than if I, than when I've hurt my leg. Precisely. Way polar opposite different right. things to strengthen yeah. those. So there's no way that... If any medication or any treatment is going to cure, like, hey, I have a toothache. Oh, don't eat for two well, weeks. Well, yeah. I have tuberculosis. Don't eat for two weeks. Well, I mean, and I know you you should know as well as I do, when you have a severe toothache, not even aspirin or ibuprofen helps. So you can't tell me fasting helps. No. Yeah, Nothing no, no helps way. a toothache except for treatment. 
Right. On your tooth. Right. That, yeah. It has to be like, and that's a dentist. That's not a doctor. That is, yeah, I'm that's not, a, a dentist. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to my freaking, you know, family practice yeah. doctor and saying, I got a toothache, take care of right. this. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, when my son's wisdom teeth came in, his doctor said, I think you have meningitis, viral meningitis. So he had to go get a spinal tap and everything. Then come to find out it was just his damn wisdom teeth. That's awesome. Yeah. It was like, dude, uh, We're seriously? getting off on a tangent. I know we are. So it's a bad habit we have. We do, but she added her own spin on this popular practice around that time. So her regime included the fasting and everything, plus daily and and her fasting was bizarre as well. I'll you mean regimen, right? Huh? You mean regimen? Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said regime. I was, I was still I confused. I spell it regimen. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, just checking. Apparently, I don't know how to speak today. But was she, the first part of her added, you know, because it came in three parts. The fasting, which I'll talk about the extreme she went to there a little bit. Daily enemas, which went on for hours. And they involved up to 12 quarts of water. Gee, that Christmas. is four quarts to a gallon. That's three gallons of water that she is pumping into somebody's backside. I actually know a little bit about enemas. Eminems? <laughs> it's contagious. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is. But enemas, only because like when my dad was in the final stages of his life, I'd say like the last year of his life, my stepmom had to give him um, enemas. Right. And one was mineral oil, and the other one was saline or it was something like that. I can't remember what the other probably, one was. Probably. And these are small bags. And the only reason I know this is because me and my dad talked about my, my dad had no filters like you. Like me. And uh, you know, we, we'd sit down and we talked about everything from sex life to you know, what was going on. And I remember him looking at me going, and, you know, Karen over here, she's got to give me two enemas, and this is what happens. Like, I don't need to know that. Like a week or a day? I think it was like a week or every other day. Yeah, I can't she was remember. doing this every But you're talking a, like a gallon. That's three gallons. Three gallons. That's equivalent. Well, each gallon, probably four enemas to a gallon is what I would guess. I don't know. but Yeah, or less. Cause, yeah, because the, the bags aren't very big. Yeah. You know, um, and... God, that's you'll yeah. destroy somebody. You, yeah, pretty much, you pretty do much, way exactly. more harm than good. And then this third part of her regimen, <laughs> good job. Yeah, thank you. Was she herself would administer a massage? Now she was said to be a rather petite woman, but stronger than the average man. Hulk smash strong or well, what? Well, I don't know. It didn't go into that. It just said a petite, a petite, small stature woman who, who woman who was stronger than the average man. So she would literally beat her fists against a patient's forehead and back vigorously as she's shouting, "Eliminate, eliminate!" Which that brought to mind the whole pushing on the forehead, saying, "Devil be gone." You know, that just went from being a doctor to being a dominatrix really quick. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, that's that's assault. That's that's seriously not even joking. That's freaking assault, right? It there. is, it is totally. You know, you're not doing any benefit, you're just simply taking out this aggression exactly. on your quote unquote and patients. No massage therapist in this day and age does it that vigorously, not no. even when you're getting like Swedish massage and or Sayachu or say, god dang, Siachu. Shi shiatsu. Shiatsu. That's yeah. it. 
Which is pretty high yeah, impact type exactly. of... Yeah, exactly. And so her first death that they suspect her of was thought to occur in the Minneapolis area around 1902, around the time of her divorce to her first husband, became final. And the coroner determined that that death, that cause of death to be starvation. Now, she tried to have, he tried to have her prosecuted, but since she was unlicensed, she wasn't held accountable. See, that's freaking ridiculous. In this day and age, if you did something like that and had a death, you're not just going to, to prison for five yeah. years. And it's not a malpractice suit. It's a murder charge. Yeah, that's a murder. Yeah. That's that's how the murder thing happens Ex- there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so she was also questioned about the victim's missing valuable possessions, but she was very evasive, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, so... Well, wouldn't you be? Seriously, you just killed, helped, helped somebody die or killed them, and yeah. you ripped them off. Are you going to sit there and say, ah, you busted me. I yeah. stole all of his stuff. You, you did. Here it is, right? So I'm going to talk about her second marriage because I believe he had a part in some of her crimes. And I'll get into this because his name was Samuel Chrisman Hazard, and it's spelled H-A-Z-Z-A-R-D if you want to look it up. And he was actually a West Point graduate, but he ruined his military career by misappropriating army funds. Well, that sounds like they're peas in the pot already. Yeah. So he was known as a drunk, lecher, and swindler. And had been married twice before, but hadn't divorced at least one of his wives before marrying Linda. So he was tried for bigamy and ended up serving two years in prison. Gee, many Christmas. Yeah. But after his release, they both moved to Washington, the state of Washington in 1906 to, quote unquote, start over. Um, so she began a practice and I quote unquote practice cause to me, she right. wasn't a doctor, right? you know, and they settled at a 40 acre estate in Olala, which is across the sound from oh. Seattle. I think I've seen signs for it. Yeah, I've I been think up there. I have too. So, cause she had to commute by ferry to Seattle from there. Um, and this estate was actually named Wilderness Heights. Oh, okay. However, it was later dubbed starvation heights just for justifiably so justifiably so and she had plans to build a sanitarium there so that she could treat these quote-unquote patients without having to have an office downtown that kind of makes sense if you can corral them all into one it's it's like cattle yeah it's like like your own your own stock of cattle going on there and it's like what that's what sanatoriums and sanitariums were they were for sick people right you know tuberculosis and you know stuff like that and together, they stole patients' jewelry and clothing, forged documents, had patients declared mentally incompetent to get a power of attorney to take over their estates, and even extracted gold fillings from a corpse's mouth and sold the fillings to a dentist. Jesus. Yeah. That's why I believe he was very yeah. actively involved with her crimes. Yeah, because while, while she sounds like a real nut job. Oh, yeah. Totally. She's not doing all this stuff by herself. I mean, let's let, let's just be honest here. You're not going to run around, handle all your patients, and still have time to do all this stuff. Exactly. You're going to have to turn to somebody, your spouse, a friend, or somebody. Look, yeah. help you know, well, help me out. Let's let's figure this out. My best friend and I would probably kill for each other if we had to. I don't trust you and your best friend together. But, <laughs> go ahead. but she wouldn't help me actually like swindle people. You know what I mean? It's like there's a limit, right? There's a there's got to be. Uh, it, it, well, 
to me, based on what you've said about her second husband, you know, it sounds like he, he already had that history. He did. He, he had the history of being a swindler and, you know, yeah. and and being in whatever the hell he was. They were drawn to each other. Yeah. So much. Yeah. it's like, like I said, peas in a pod. Yeah. Right there. Peas in a pod. Yeah. And so her first Washington victim, and this is what <coughs> struck me, because if you're from this area, you kind of know the name. Um, Seattle... Because when she moved up here, the Seattle locals embraced her medical theories. And her first known victim was Daisy Maud Hagland. And after a 50-day fast, 50 days, which is a little over a month. Um, That's a lot over a month. There's 30 days yeah. in a month. That's like almost two months. Exactly. She, um, after the 50-day fast under Hazard's direction, she died on February 26, 1908. Okay, but she left behind a three-year-old son named Ivor Hagland, who grew up to make a fortune as owner of a successful seafood restaurant. Right, right, right. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I love going to Ivor's, but yeah, he, um, so it's like there's that history there. So you'd figure that if her son was able to grow up that, they were probably prominent members of society. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. They, I, I wouldn't think... Just based on the info that you've given me, that she would be targeting uh, the lower income people. Oh no, because she wanted their fortune. Yeah, she. You don't. You don't go to somebody who doesn't have anything and, and hope you're going to make a million dollars off them. You target people who have a million dollars. Pretty much. Yeah, that's my theory. Yeah, no. <laughs> Other victims, and I'm going to read the dates and some of them. What happened with them? Um, in 1908 as well, she's suspected in the death of Ida Wilcox. Then in 1909, so that's two in 1908. Then in 1909, she has three, Blanche Tyndall, Viola Heaton, and Eugene Stanley Wakelin. Now, Stanley, or Eugene, did not die of starvation. He was shot in the head on Hazard's property, and it was speculated that she was responsible. And... Rumor has it, I'm going to stress rumor here because there's no documented anything on it, but the rumor in the area and legend in the area was that he was going to turn her into authorities, and so she had him shot. That would make the most sense. Yeah. Like I said, it's just rumor. It's just speculation. Don't quote me and don't like say it. You know, I don't want people to say, oh, she said. No, no. oh, totally, totally. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we have no proof of that, but... Honestly, if that's it, the rumor, it kind of yeah. A lot of goes are based on fact. Yeah, it kind of so. goes along with the whole mo that you know the whole thing that she's going through mm-hmm. or go you know that that she's doing, and here she wants to keep her sanatorium uh, alive. Right. Well, at this time it wasn't open yet. Oh, oh. But she was trying to get the money, and so oh, if she's gotcha. like swindling these patients and everything, that is embezzlement. You know, or what do they call That'd it? Be, larceny at yeah, the least. That's, that's larceny. Yeah. Well, you're right. I, <laughs> you know what I meant. It's been a day. I'm telling you. It has been. But anyway, so in 1910, so that's three, two and eight, eight 19, and 1909, there's three. In 1910, she also had three of them. Maude Whitney. Then there was Lewis Emerson, better known as L.E. Raider Sr., now, he was an American politician serving in the Washington House of Rep- Representatives. And get this, he starved to death after a 29-day fast for, quote-unquote, stomach issues. Gee, many Christmas. Less than a month. 
that one lady lasted 50 days. Yeah. And she was really sick at the time anyways. So for her to last almost two months being very sickly, and this guy only lasting for 29 days because of stomach issues, that's saying that she upped her game. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then we have Earl Edward Erdman. Yeah, say that three times real fast. I can't even pronounce the last name, so go for it. Yeah. And he was a city of Seattle civil engineer. Oh, okay. And he died of starvation at a Seattle General Hospital after only three weeks of this fasting treatment. When he died, the Seattle Daily Times actually headlined his death, reading, Woman MD Kills Another Patient. So the media is already <laughs> catching on. Right. When you got your, your patients dropping off like flies, yeah. somebody's bound to notice. Yeah, you've already got two, five, six, seven of them. Right. Yeah. And so in a three-year period. Um, but he actually, at the time of his death, had a diary that detailed her treatment plan. So he was allowed to eat very little, if anything, during the day. Nothing more substantial than an orange. Oh, my God. Yeah. And mostly just strained tomato broth or mashed vegetable soup. Jeez. And it said that she boiled it, so you know it was tasteless. Right. And plus, yeah. not only tasteless, but if you boil the veggies, all the they nutrients. They lose all the nutrients. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting any nutrients yeah. from it. And many of his entries detail lack of sleep due to lower back pain and pain under his ribs. Dude, those are stomach pains. Yeah, that's part of I starvation mean, going pains. on there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hunger pains. That's hunger starvation. Hunger pains, yeah. He was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> You think? Yeah. Um, okay, look. I'm only allowed to eat an orange, if that. I get hungry if I miss like a whole meal and it's late in the day. Yeah. I can't imagine doing 29 days. Exactly. And the most substantial thing that you can eat is a friggin' orange. Yeah, the only thing of substance. You right. Know? Yeah. That's that's just disgusting in and of itself. It is. I mean, yeah. So in 1911, she's actually attributed to one, two, three, four, five deaths. There was Frank Southard, who was a law partner in a firm of Morris Southard and Shipley, which the ironic thing here is his partner from the firm later went on to defend her in court. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then there was C.A. Harrison, a publisher of an Alaskan Yukon magazine, of Alaska Yukon magazine. Ivan Flux, who was an Englishman who came to America to buy a ranch, he fasted for 53 days, and during that time, Hazard gained control of his cash and property, and at the time of his death, told the family he only had $70 to his name. And the family didn't call bullshit on it? Like, let's be uh, real here. There's no evidence that they did. But if she had power of attorney, there's nothing they could really do. I, I'm just... I'm trying not to put today's yeah we can't put today's standards methodology on it. into the yeah. past, but in today's society, like if if I were to if something like that happened to me, mm -hmm. dude, everybody that knows me would be like, I'm gonna call bullshit. Yeah. He had more than seventy bucks in his pocket, right? And nowadays, if I it, you know, for instance, you set me as your power of attorney, if there's any indication that I was using it nefariously. I would go to jail. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Because yeah. there's, there's laws that protect there my family. Are, yeah, exactly. And so um, then there was Lewis L. Ellsworth Raider, who was the father of L.E. 
Okay, I was just said. Yeah, I, I had to look that up because I'm like, that's the same name. Yeah, there's some, you know, these two match. <laughs> yeah, and he was the publisher of Soundview magazine, and she was treating him at the Outlook Hotel, which is known as the Rector Hotel on Third and Cherry now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, and that's like really close to the market. So authorities tried to convince him to leave the hotel, but he refused. So Hauser took him to a quote unquote undisclosed location, like he's the vice president or something. And he died weighing less than a hundred, less than a hundred pounds. And he was five foot 11. Jesus. Yeah. My best friend's daughter is maybe five foot and she weighs less than a hundred pounds soaking wet. Right. Yeah. She's tiny. You know, I can imagine a big, you know, a taller, bigger guy only weighing less than 100 at death. He must have been just skin and bones. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I looked it up. The average weight for a 5'11 is right around two, you know, two bills is what, you know, 200 pounds. <laughs> 200 pounds, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's like low end. Right. Well, it's, uh, if you look at the BMI, I think it's like 170 to 190 or something like that. Right. And it's way more than 100 pounds. Oh, yeah. And the Seattle health director at the time could not intervene because she was licensed and the patients were willing participants, but said if she would only, he would only step in if she started treating children. That's ridiculous. Exactly. That's what I said. And then her last patient, her last victim that year was Claire Williamson. Now, Claire Williamson is very significant here because that is the one that she was charged with her death. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the one murder she got charged That's with. That's the one murder she got charged with. Now, Claire Williamson and her sister Dorothea were two sisters in their early 30s. And they were actually British hypochondriacs who were very, very rich. Nice. They And they had read, while they were in Victor- visiting Victoria, B.C., they read an ad for one of Hazard's books while they were visiting. So they ordered the book, and at the time when they received the book, they also received a brochure promoting the Institute of Natural Therapeutics in Olala. Well, yeah, because you can't say, hey, starvation diet of of Olala. Yeah, starvation diet, Seattle. So in February of 1911, they went to this institute to take her fasting cure without talking to any relatives about their choice because the family already disagreed with their interest in an alternative medicine, because they were hypochondriac. Well, I was just going to say the same thing. You, while, while you were saying that, I was going to pipe in with that. Yeah, you're yeah. hyper. You're you got people in your family that's a hypochondriac. That's when you look at them and go, "Look here, no. Yeah, you you, you have fake symptoms. You're fine. Yeah, and not only that, extreme hypochondriacs will jump on any fad. Oh, totally. Any fad. It's like, oh, that cures this. I have this. Yep, that's what I have. Yeah, and people like would call me a hypochondriac. But it's not like I perseverate on it and try to find cures for anything. But if I'm reading a book or whatever and I'm reading symptoms, I'm like, oh, dude, that's what I have. I must have this disease. But I'll just sit there and ruminate it on my head and pretty much kill myself in my head. And then I don't seek out fads and medical treatment for it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So um, let's see. Upon arriving, they met up with Hazard at her office in the Northern Bank and Trust Building in Seattle. And that's where they were told that the sanitarium wasn't ready yet. Oh. Okay. She So she would treat them in Seattle. And they settled at the Buena Vista Apartments, which have been remodeled and are still open to this day. I looked it up. Wow. Yeah. So she, they survived mostly on thin vegetable broth 
and Hazard came regularly to provide enemas and violent massage. She even offered, out of the kindness of her heart, I'm sure, to store their diamond rings and property deeds in her office safe. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I tell you what, why don't you hand over all your jewelry and your property deeds? I'll just tuck that away for yeah, you. I'll put them in my safe. Well, they'll be safe. Yeah. No, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, hey, that was in February of 1911. By April, February, March, April, two months, they were completely emaciated and very delirious. So now they're legitimately sick. They're not yeah, just hypochondriacs exactly. anymore. And when you don't eat, you get delirious. You start hallucinating. Right. You start, you know, thinking things differently. I mean, it is a natural, I mean, it's a known fact that that's symptoms of it. So two months later, so she had them actually transferred to Olala by twin ambulances and a private ferry launch. So nobody knew that they were going. And before the transfer, her hazard's attorney obtained a shaky signature from Claire. And basically it was for codicil to her will, leaving monthly payments of 25 pounds sterling per year to the Institute, even (laughs) after she dies. And in the case of her death, her body was to be cremated under the direction of hazard. Now, remember this fact, because later something else ties in that confused me and I want to discuss it. So... Basically, if she were to die, Linda was able to have her cremated. Okay. So on April 30th, which is the end of the month, their childhood nanny, Margaret Conway, received a cryptic telegram asking her to visit. So rumor is, and legend has it, that Dorothea was able to sneak out a message that she had telegrammed to her nanny. Well, that's good. At least they, you know, they got something going on. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, help me. Exactly. Help me. So she left Sydney, Australia, you know, via ship, of course, arriving in Seattle one week later. Now, when she arrived, Sam Hazard met her at the ship and took her to Hazard's Seattle office. And there she was informed that Claire had died and Dorothea was insane. You know? Well, yeah, because, you know, you, you can't say that, hey, this is... Uh, yeah. Y- y- your family just showed up, so you need an out is what you need. You can't say, oh, no, she's perfectly fine because she's not. And what's going to happen is that they're going to tell your, their family members what's going on. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they need to have kind of an out. Yeah, she's just crazy. That's what yeah. she is. She's, just, she's, she's a nut job. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. So they took her to E.R. Butterworth and Sons Mortuary, which they are very well known in the mortuary industry as being pioneers worldwide. And so um, she was shown an embalmed body. She did not recognize it's Claire's. This is what I wanted to talk about. Why was she shown an embalmed body when there's a codicil to her will saying that she was to be cremated Cremated. upon death? Right. So what were they trying to hide here? You know, it's all they had to do was show her the codicil saying she was to be cremated upon immediately upon death. And there's nothing anybody could have done. So this might just be a conspiracy theory, but maybe she was still alive. Uh, yeah, no. No, proof. Like, it, there was proof that she was actually gone. Oh, OK. Yeah, she, you know. So after that, she was taken to see Dorothea, who was basically a human skeleton living in a shack, not fit for human inhabitation. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to scam somebody out of their money, why are you going to spend money on 
room and board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, good exactly. luck with this little uh, shack here. Yeah. And apparently at the time when the nanny arrived, Dorothea actually begged her to take them away. Take her away. Well, you she think? She was like, please take me home. Well, the next day she changed her mind. So I'm thinking, I mean, this is just playing out in my head because I've seen a lot of movies, that they probably went to her room that night and said, bitch, you ain't going nowhere. Right. I mean, I'm probably under extreme threat. Like, yeah. hey, you're kind of in, you're in a weakened state anyway, so. Yeah. It's like, who's going to take care of you? You know, yeah. type thing. Well, plus being starved, she's not in her right mind. Exactly. So to convince anybody when they're starving to do anything, not that hard of I'll a thing. I'll give you some food, damn it. It's like, hey, look, we'll treat you better. You're getting, you're, you're getting better. You know, the whatever your weird thing is that you got going right. on, it's getting better. And she actually said the next day that she would stay there because the treatment was actually doing miraculous work for her. Ta-da! Yeah, you you hit that nail on the head. So on July 4th, which is April, May, June, July, three months later, actually less than three months because it was the 4th of July, two other patients begged the nanny to get them out. Yeah. They claimed that they were just prisoners there. And they also she also learned Dorothea had signed over power of attorney to the hazards and they had appropriated some of the sisters' funds. Of course they have. Yeah. Of course. That's that's a given. Yeah. And she told Hazard, I'm leaving and I'm taking Dorothea with me. And at that point, they told her Dorothea was not free to leave because they had guardianship and that she would remain there for the rest of her life. She, and, and law enforcement didn't step in on this at all. No. No. So, but there was a savior to come. Conway had snuck a cable to their uncle who lived in the Portland, Oregon area. Which, which means is a message, three right? three miles away. Yeah, just a message saying they need your help. Because yeah, if we say cable, people are going to be like, what yeah. does the cable have to yeah, do with it? Yeah, it's basically I, actually, a telegram or something like that. Kind of where my mind went to. So, yeah. I mean. No, so they she sent a message to their uncle in Portland, which is what three hours away, four hours. Yeah, back by, then it was probably a little longer. Probably because, six or yeah, something. Because uh, Interstate Five wasn't even created then, right? So it'd been train, and so that you was a think, little longer. Yeah. And so he arrived to rescue them. And at the time, remind mind you, she's only thirty some years old. They don't say how tall she was. She weighed only sixty pounds. That's what? less than a 12-year-old child. Gee, Christmas. 60 pounds. My dog weighs more than 60 pounds. I think that you hide this information from me and don't tell me ahead of I time. Do. I do. I give the, you the bare bones. I am just absolutely freaking disgusted. Yeah, exactly. But that's because so food means so much could you imagine what she looked like? No, I don't even want to imagine that yeah. because in, in my mind, because you, you know how important food is to me. Oh, yeah. You know, just because of the way that I was raised. Exactly. You know, I can't imagine voluntarily starving yourself when this, yes. when you can go get food or being so cruel to another person. Yeah. Or, or that you're an emaciating. Yeah, yeah. Or, or an animal or anything. Yeah. Where you're going to deny them food and you're looking at this person, they're withering away, they're emaciated, and you're like, no food for you. I'll give you a little bit of this messed up vegetable broth, but that's it. And an orange. And an orange. Yeah, exactly. That's disgusting. Well, exactly. And my basset hound weighs 50 pounds. That's right, like, right, right. I mean, and he's little. Right. You know, so it's like, that's what I compared her to. And I'm like, that makes no sense. None. And nobody's doing anything. That's why I'm, I'm a little shocked, even for it being the early 1900s, that law enforcement didn't step in and go, hey, look, 
this is an act of cruelty. Exactly. Because even if they're adults and they're seeking this treatment, they're not seeking that extreme. Right. Yeah. And that's how I looked at it. Or at least question it. You know, going, okay, you said that you're offering this right here, but in reality, we're looking at your patients. They're all emaciated. You're not feeding them. They're living in shacks. You're beating them. You're beating them. Because by this time here... If you're given these quote-unquote massages and you're and they're already being starved, they're going to be bruising up pretty easy. Yes. And not only that, is she's flushing out their system that basically has nothing in it. Yeah. You know, every day. Yeah. So um, so he, arrived, he actually came up and re- tried to, re- you know, rescue them. And she, like I said, she only weighed th- 60 pounds. But the hazard, when he said, I'm taking her, the hazards presented him with a bill for $2,000 saying that they wouldn't allow her to leave without paying because she owed them that money for being there That's because ridiculous. of the treatment they provided. That is sick. Right. Cause uh, consider $2,000 is a lot to people today. Today. Can you imagine back then? That's back like what? Then, uh, at least 10,000. At bare minimum. I've, I've probably yeah, venture to closer today. to a hundred. Yeah. That's a ridiculous, ridiculous amount. Ridiculous. And so he was actually able to negotiate a smaller ransom. They called it ransom and took Dorothea out of there. Now, at this time, they went down to Tacoma and spoke to the British consul because she's technically a British citizen. Right. And they pressured Kitsap County, which is the county that Olala is in, to prosecute. But they were told that the county could not afford to do so. What? Yes. They actually were told, we can't afford to do that, so too bad. So, Dorothea actually put up the funds and paid for the prosecution from her own money. That's... To prosecute for the murder of her sister. Just absolutely appalled. Yeah. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. Just disgusted and appalled. in August of 1911... Hazard was arrested. So you figure February, May, June, February, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Six months, seven, yeah, six months later. Right. She's arrested. So within six months, the sister's killed, the other sister's down to 60 pounds, and she finally is able to get out of there. So Hazard is arrested. Six months. Well, at least she got out of there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. But still, the torture of going through that. God. Yeah. Now, the Tacoma Daily News headline read at that time, officials expect to expose starvation atrocities Dr. Hazard depicted as a fiend. Well, because she is. She was. Let's just call a spade a spade here. Yeah. She was very, yeah, no. I I mean, I can't even come up with a suitable term because fiend to me is too mild. I agree. (laughs) So there was that. And then Hazard claimed she was being persecuted for being a successful woman. And that traditional doctors resented her success as a po- and opposed natural cures. No, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, dude, they're not <laughs> resentful of you. They freaking can't stand the fact that you're killing patients. When Hippocratic oath, I'm sure, was in effect at that time too. I wonder. Well, because it's based on Hippocrates' theories. Yeah, I just don't know. You know, if first it was... do no harm. Right. You know, so. But then she was quoted as saying, I intend to get on the stand and show up that bunch. They've been playing checkers, but it's my move. I'll show them a thing or two when I get on the stand. <laughs> Definitely yeah. pull of herself. Be like, you know what? Checkmate, bitch. <laughs> you know? But no, her lawyer kept her off the stand. And there was damning testimony 
Um, a complete paper trail, including forged diary entries saying Claire wanted Hazard to have her diamonds, made it clear that they were crooks. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Made it absolutely clear. But she had defenders of her own from loyal staff and patients, including Johan Ivor Hagland, whose wife was her first victim in Washington, who testified he had faith in her and had taken their young, had taken young Ivor to her for treatment three times a week, even after his wife's death. So if he was taking this child there, why did not the authorities not step in because she was treating a child? Yeah, that's kind of. Going along that same three, track. Let's see. In 08, he was three. So in 11, he was six years old. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So the jury actually came back and only delivered a verdict of manslaughter. <laughs> and the press theorized that the verdict would have been murder had she been a man. That the oh, yeah. jury took pity on her because she was a woman. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I would have <laughs> loved her to go on the stand and bent, and then they'd be like, bitch. Shut the fuck up. You're going to jail. Well, you know, in today's day and age, if somebody did that to that extreme and people die. Yeah, it don't matter what gender you are. You're going to get the death penalty if the state allows the death penalty. And doing it across state lines becomes a federal crime and you go yes. to a federal penitentiary. And guess what? The feds do do capital punishment. Well, and the fact that she had that victim in Minnesota that they can link back to her, that made her a federal. It would have been a federal case. Maybe. Because she at... she committed the crimes across state lines. You don't just take your victim across state lines. It's if you commit the same crime in two different states. Oh, I thought like if she flew from here to there and did it. But she was living there in Minnesota at the time. So I think right. But might then, be a different crime because she did it. Oh, and then that she could be because out. she was citizen. Yeah, I mean, she was a resident, yeah, resident of Minnesota. That could be because I know that a lot of truckers who are convicted of serial killing, that's why it's federal for them. Well, think about it. You know, truck drivers cross state lines every day, especially if you live in Portland. Oh, yeah. If you live in Portland, Vancouver, Washington is literally a bridge away. Yeah. Not even a mile. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you people do it all the time. They walk from Portland over here to Vancouver oh, yeah. back and forth. You just walk over the bridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like. Like I said, the Couve is actually considered Portland Metro, so right. we've adopted you. So in 1912, while she was awaiting sentencing, she actually killed three more patients. Mary Bailey, Ida Anderson, and Robert Graham. And she was only sentenced to two, from two to 20 years in prison, and she only served two years at the state penitentiary at Walla Walla. That's freaking ridiculous. Which is Eastern Washington. So while she's on trial, she offs three more people. Yeah, she suspected in the death of three more people. And Washington is sitting there going, nah. Two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, Yeah, you're fine. You're rehabilitated. Yeah. Now, I I know the laws have changed a lot, but for that time period, once again, I go, good job, Washington. Yeah. Good Good job, job, Washington. Way to make us look good. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) proud of you guys from that time period. Just so so proud. So when she was released, though, she and Sam moved to New Zealand. Oh, okay. Where she operated under the titles of physician, dietitian, and osteopath. What is an is that like? Uh, That's a natural medicine. It's oh, it's okay. like natural. Yeah. Okay, I was kind of wondering because you say osteo, I think of osteoporosis, which is joints, right? Right, but or osteopath bone. is bone, bone cons- loss. It's almost like it's today's equivalent would be a naturopath. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, because I had to look that up, and she published another book. Gee, Christmas. So now, by this time here, she's thinking that she is an expert, 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 expert. Oh, yeah. And that nobody can tell her differently. 
And she already did two years in prison. Mm-hmm. And they moved to New Zealand, and she's mm-hmm. still full of herself. Mm-hmm. That's not rehabilitation. Yeah, no, but she actually made a lot of money over there. Jesus. Yeah, so much money, in fact, that in 1920, she returned to Alala and actually built her dream sanitarium at, quote-unquote, Starvation Heights. So, wait a minute. They let they allowed her to open a sanitarium. Yes. After However, being convicted and going, hey, yes. we think that you killed these people and you starved mm-hmm. them to death. Open a business. Yeah. However, she was no longer medically licensed. So, she had to call it a school of health. So, she's teaching these people as Jeez. opposed to treating these people. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Hello. Is it semantics right there? That's just, that's... Yeah. Ludicrous, and get this, man. The building included a basement autopsy room, and she continued to starve people to death, but there were no reports of additional charges. That is friggin'. Now, this is where karma steps in. In 1935, 15 years later, it burned down. The sanitarium burned down to the ground. Please tell me she was inside when it happened. No. So, three years after the sanitarium burned down, she began to feel ill, ill, so she started her own fasting cure and died. Good. Good. Yeah. You know, an eye for an eye. That's the whole thing. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly how I look at it. So it's like, you know what, bitch? You killed all these people. You think you're doing them good, you know, when you're not doing shit. And now your own quote-unquote treatment killed you. It's like, you know... And she actually got off easy if you think about it, because I'm pretty sure that while she was dying from starvation, nobody's doing a quote-unquote massage on her. Or a four-hour enema. Enemas and and everything like that. Yeah, nobody's doing that to her. She's just starving herself to death. Yeah, she's just not eating. (sighs) You know, which they do say that severely ill patients, that's one way to know that they're going to pass away is because they stop eating. Right. Uh, That's like animals, too. Yeah. When, exactly. When your dog or your cat or whatever quits eating, then that's you know you look it's at pretty go, much the end. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're at the end of your life, dude. Yeah. And so today, her books can still be found in some bookstores and Amazon. Actual total number of victims is actually unknown. These are just the ones that were known. And she is considered Washington's first female serial killer. So she's actually in the record books. That is awesome. Yeah. We featured the first serial killer of, of the Washington. great state of Washington. Yeah, as our first serial killer podcast episode. That's very fitting, you yes, know. Yes, very. So okay, I'm going to I'm going to recant my my sarcastic things about uh Washington and and how they handled things and and all that good stuff. Yeah. Because they never had a serial killer before. Never. So this is brand new to them, you know. Uh, well, as far as a female serial killer, so they they don't have that mindset yet. Precisely that hey, women are capable of this too because us men have been barbaric since the beginning of time. Oh yeah, I mean you drag us around by our hair, remember? We can't drag it around by the feet, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> they fill up. That's a different way. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Right, but you guys thought this would be a serious murder thing, huh? Yeah. Um, but uh, so as, the mindset is not there at that time, right? To say hey. Women are capable of these great acts of violence mm-hmm. and 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 torture because truly that's what it is. There was a lot of violence involved with these quote unquote massages. Mm-hmm. The enemas, violent, very violent. You know, the only passive part of that is the starvation. Mm-hmm. So they don't quite know how to handle this yet, right? And uh, I think that's probably also why she got the lesser sentence because mm-hmm. the jury and the judge is sitting there going. 
I don't think women are actually capable of this. Right. And she was, quote, unquote, doing this as part of a medical practice. Yeah. So it's very, very confusing. Very Very. easy to confuse that. Very. Because we're going to feature sometime down the road for our Twisted Tuesdays, which we try to do couples and pairs on that, you know, couples, pairs, and group of serial killers, you know, that acted in groups um, of a married couple down in the South. And so remember I was kind of telling you a little bit about that. Right. Now they treated her completely differently. Well, yeah. Like complete 180. It's the South. We hang people. Yeah. You don't hang them. You take them out to the backwoods, shoot them and bury them. And nobody, they think that they just walked away. I would know nobody who ever did that. No, you don't know anybody, but you've heard stories. Per rumor. (laughs) Legend has it. Legend has it. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know, and. That's also, well, even to this day, there's a big difference between the Pacific Northwest, where we're at. That's true, too. And and Southern America. That's true, too. Just like there's a difference between us and and uh, and the and the uh, uh, the American Southwest. That's true, too. So it's very different cultures. Up here, people are more kind of liberal. Yeah. And... We, we do, like... Um, Geared more towards natural medicine and green. We're Oregon's a green state. Yeah. And I think Washington is too, where they put a lot of emphasis on recycling and, um, you know, just composting and stuff like that, you know, to kind of save the environment. Right. And I'm so, all for that. But what I meant is like here, I, I find that people in the Pacific Northwest, especially Portland, Vancouver, they really want to think the best of everybody. By and large. Right. You know, uh, they, well, you know, there's probably a reason. There's a catalyst. Da, da, da. And what I've noticed a lot in the South and in Texas and things like oh, that. Oh, especially Texas. Texas uh, is amazing because they have a whole defense on he needed killing. Um, yeah. But uh, He deserved it. Yeah, well, I have that conversation a lot with my friend uh, Susan who lives in Texas. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's a way different mindset. It is. Very different. You know, here, if... If somebody breaks into your house, or better yet, if somebody molests your child and you go to their house and you kill them, yeah. well, you're a murderer. Right. You're going to go to prison. Yeah. Well, and I know Oregon for a fact, and it might have changed now, but back in the early 90s, you know, 80s, up until the early 90s, they had no self-defense law. But if somebody broke into your house and you shot them as soon as they came over the threshold, not if they were outside, but if they were inside. Right. Then it was justifiable. But if that person was whooping your ass, you could not harm them. You can hurt them enough to get away from them, but you are not allowed to kill them. Jeez, we have to have a whole podcast about that crap. We do. We do. And I think we need to, like, make it a different, you know, weird laws across the nation. Okay, that's a different thing. So, what else do you have for me for Linda? you have anything else? No, that's actually pretty much it. I was just, like I said, I was very flabbergasted by this. When they were talking about it on this tour, I'm like, no, you're lying. I'm pretty flabbergasted that that her books are still available on Amazon and all that stuff. Because they pretty much tell you how to kill yourself. Can we feature a link on the website? I can probably feature a link, link on the to website it. to link to the Amazon books that are for sale. That is a good idea. Because I try to download them on Kindle and they're not available on Kindle. You can only get excerpts. Oh, okay. But, um, and I think paperback, one of the books is only like $7.99. Yeah, so this isn't expensive, but it, no. it sounds like it'd be a really good read too. Yeah, I think so. 
I really believe it would be because, you know, now that you've heard about her and know her history, you'll read the book with a totally different perspective. Oh, yeah. I'm th- I'm thinking about a lot of things in different perspectives right Are now. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm thinking naturopath is not the way to go. <laughs> well, actually, in this it day and age, nowadays. it really is. Um, I've seen a naturopath for several things. I've known several people who have. Right. And uh, there's actually, you can go to school to become a, just a naturopath. You can. Um, there's I have several a, colleges. My son has a friend whose mom is a naturopath, and she's very successful in our area. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm all for more natural medicine as opposed to putting chemicals into my right. body. Um, but that's it's a personal choice, and I'm not swinging right. either way as far as I'm not telling anybody, hey, you know, everything has to be all natural. I no. just It's just my own private yeah. choice. But then you're not opposed to taking antibiotics when you need to either. Right. So. Or, you know, or an inhaler for my asthma or anything right. like that. But, you know, uh, boys and girls, just take a little tip from this. If the person, even if it's a regular doctor that you got to go get a prescription or a naturopath or whatever. Research them. Not only that, but if they if they're doing something that might seem a little shady, yeah, yeah, you might want to take that to heart. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and I guess we can refer back to the Botox guy out of Florida. Yeah, that was you know giving his drinking himself and giving his patients liquor before he would do the treatments. Right. Right. Exactly. So. It's like, you know, you got to kind of like, you know, this doesn't seem right. I think I'm going to get the fuck out. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So, and don't give anybody your power of attorney unless you know and trust them. Yeah, especially your doctor, man. Yeah, exactly. And no doctor today will take power of attorney. Some medical facilities will, like long-term care facilities, because they are held accountable. However, no doctor, practicing doctor, will take a power of attorney because it's considered a conflict of interest. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Makes so, sense. you know, it's like I said, it just, it the whole case just floored me. I'm like, that did not happen. <laughs> and so when I went back and started looking into it, I'm like, oh my goodness, we have to feature her. No kidding, man. Yeah. That's that's an amazing story right there. It it's, is. It is an amazing story. Absolutely terrifying. And I haven't found any documentaries on her, but then I didn't do a deep search either. So, yeah. Well, we'll come back and feature her again when we get well, the Yeah, I would like to feature again once we've read some of her books so that we can be like, okay, this is what she really believed. Yeah, no, totally. You know, because that's like, because there's another one we'll be doing on Thursday that I want to come back and visit him again once we get his manuscript. No, his that's... His manifesto, a, yeah. Damn, good idea. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. This has been Brutal Nation. You can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. You can find our website at www.twistedbluellc, all one word, .com. Click on Brutal Nation. You can leave us your questions, thoughts, comments, uh, or any other uh, killer yeah. that you might want us to to bring up. Yeah, and I'd actually be interested in people's comments about this episode because right. I want to know what other people are think about, you know, naturopath and all that other stuff. Right, right. We'll, we'll read them in the podcast. Yeah, we, we will. The second yeah. This has been Brutal Nation, a Twisted Blue production. We'll catch you guys later. Copyright 2021. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>